Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for hanging out with me I am excited today to take a deeper dive into a huge lesson I learned recently. I shared a little bit of it in this past weekend's VIP email. If you are not on the totally free Primal Potential VIP list, you can just go to primalpotential.com forward slash join, J-O-I-N, primalpotential.com forward slash join and hop on that email so that you get it. I usually send them out once a week, usually on Sundays. And this past weekend, I shared a lesson I learned while writing my first book. And what I want to do today is dive deeper into that, specifically pull some listener emails out of my inbox and show you how I apply this lesson I learned to your challenges, whether that is worry, fear of missing out, not taking action, being overwhelmed, feeling like you always binge on sugar, whatever it is, I'm just going to, at random, pull a few emails from my inbox and show you how I would coach someone through that moment specifically using this lesson I learned, which I'll share with you in a minute. But because I have been forgetting to do this part of the show in the last few episodes, I want to share with you the best thing I ate recently and the best workout I had recently. I know that when I did the debt episodes, the first one with my sister Debbie, and then answering your questions, I just forgot. I was so focused on talking about money that I forgot that sh- to share that stuff with you. And I know many of you enjoy that little segment of the podcast I've been doing for a while. So let's start with the best workout I've done recently. This was just a couple days ago. And holy moly, my quads are still feeling it. It was 500 meter row followed by 25 power cleans, 400 meter row, 20 power cleans, 300 meter row, 15 power cleans, 200 meter row, 10 power cleans, 100 meter row, five power cleans. Now, if you're thinking, what the heck is a power clean? I'm going to suggest that you go to google.com and type in what is a power clean and you will see some examples. Basically, you've got a barbell. It is on the ground. You do a sumo deadlift high pull. You pop yourself underneath the bar and yeah, just Google it. I can't explain it in words nearly as well as you would understand it if you saw it and it's easy to figure it out. It's easy to figure it out with just the 
the power of Google. So yeah, it was 500 meter row, 25 power cleans, 420, 315, 2010, 105, and my legs were blown up after that. The, the great thing about the workout is that it was over super, super fast. Once you get through the 525, the 420, it's just like just getting to the end after that. Those first couple of rounds were the hardest, but I love simple workouts. You don't have to do 7,000 things. You don't have to spend an hour in the gym. That was a great workout. Doesn't mean it's the workout you have to do. Just sharing something that I loved. Little twist on the best thing I ate recently. It's actually a new cooking oil that I bought and am super, super excited about. So we've recently talked about crop oils and avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, and cooking versus like heating versus not heating your oils. I was really, really, really excited to find one of the new products from Primal Kitchen. Primal Kitchen is a brand of Mark Sissons who wrote the Primal Blueprint. He was on the show in episode 388, I believe, either 388 or 389, but one of those uh, he was on talking about one of his books. He has a line of products called Primal Kitchen. You've probably heard me talk about the Chipotle lime mayo, and I don't like mayo, but I love that. Anyway, they have avocado oil, which I really, really enjoy. That's what I used when I talked about that pistachio basil pesto that I made. The base of that was avocado oil, but they came out with an avocado oil spray, Primal Kitchen did. And I was excited about this because when you're baking things and you want them to crisp up, spraying with a little bit of oil can be a good way to do that. Most recently, I used this when I made the hemp-crusted chicken nuggets. That recipe is up on the blog, and I will also link to it in the show notes. It's just easier than pouring out oil, and it's also a great way if you're trying to, like let's say you have a meal, maybe you're having bacon, and so you know you're getting fat because you have bacon, maybe you have chicken thighs, maybe you've used butter in some way, or you're having some cheese, and you don't want to go overkill on a bunch of different fats, spraying your oil versus pouring it is an awesome way to dial back on the amount of fat that you're using. And also, I like to spray it on things I'm going to bake to help them get a little bit crisper or more browned. Primal Kitchen avocado oil spray. Best part is I initially saw it on Amazon. I think it was recommended for me based on my previous purchases. $10.49 on Amazon, but $6.49 from Thrive Market. Guys, that's that's huge. Percentage-wise, I'm not even going to try and do the math, but that's major. The difference between $6.49 from Thrive Market, $10.49 on Amazon. Yes, please, to Thrive Market. I will link to it in the show notes for today's episode, which you can find at primalpotential.com forward slash 523. If you check it out from Thrive Market, make sure you register through the URL thrivemarket.com forward slash primal potential because not only will you get that lower price, but you'll save an extra 25% on your first order and you'll get a free 30-day trial membership to make sure that Thrive Market is a good value for you. Onward. 
first thing I want to do today is get everybody on the same page about the lesson that I learned so recently. Then we'll go from there into applying it to some of your challenges. So this past week, last week, last Thursday, I finished, hooray, my final manuscript for my first book. I am really, really, really excited. It should be out to the world, out to you in early to mid-January. The date as of today is January 10th that it will be released, but because there's still a few months between now and then, that could be January 20th, it could be January 5th. Don't know yet, but it'll be in January 2019, just a few months away. I'm crazy excited. Yes, of course, I will tell you guys more about it as it gets closer. Yes, there will be an audio version. Yes, I will be the narrator of it. But writing a book taught me way more than I thought it would. And after I finished, when I submitted my final manuscript last Thursday, I just took a few minutes with my journal to kind of reflect, like, how do I feel about this? What was the hardest part? What was the best part? What am I excited about? What am I scared of? Just to kind of debrief and clear my mind after accomplishing this huge goal. And I reflected on the whole process and realized that there was one primary lesson that really stood out in this process And the exciting thing about this lesson is that I will be able to use this to my own advantage in every area of my life. This lesson that I learned in the process of writing a book will, without question, make every aspect of my life easier. It already has, and it's something that I want to teach you so that you can use this to make your life easier. So let me get everybody on the same page because I introduced this lesson to my VIP email list uh, this past weekend and promised to go deeper into it, which is what we're going to do today. So let me just take two or three minutes to get everybody on the same page, and then we will go into the application of the lesson. Here's how it came about. Prior to and while writing this book, my belief about myself has been that I have a remarkably short attention span, that I am very easily distracted from, oh, what's that noise, to I should wash the dishes. I'll feel better if, you know, the kitchen is cleaned before I get started on this project, or um, I'm thinking about so-and-so. I should text them. I should see how they're doing. I have for many, many years described my attention span as that of a fruit fly. And when you believe that about yourself, that you are easily distracted, that everything captures your attention, well, writing a book gets really, really, really hard. And for months, when I would sit down to write, I would tell myself that story like, oh, this is so hard. I can't focus. I get distracted so easily. You know, sitting down to write is impossible because as soon as I sit down, I think about 27 other things I should be doing, and then I get off on a a tangent doing one of them, and writing was very difficult. I wouldn't get much done. And one hour of writing felt like an entire day, even if 
there was really only seven or eight minutes of typing in that hour. I found it mentally draining, to say the least. So after months of struggling in this way, sitting down to write only to be like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I asked myself the question, if I was the kind of writer I want to be, what would I be doing right now? Like, if I was the writer I aspire to be, how would I write? Like, what would that look like? And I grabbed my journal. This is probably another way to procrastinate, but it turned out being a brilliant stepping stone for me. So I pulled out my journal and I just started to brainstorm about what it would look like if I was the type of writer that I want to be. And I I wrote down things like, I would be excited to write versus, oh, geez, here we go. I got to get some writing done today. I would be excited to write because I have so many ideas to share. I just can't wait to get them on paper. I can't wait to explain them in a way that is going to help my reader. I wrote things like, I'd be patient with the process. I wouldn't have expectations that it was going to happen fast. But in addition to being patient with the process of writing, I would also be very committed to it. I'd be committed to the the work of writing. And I would resist distractions because I'd be very clear on the fact that you can't write a great book and also give in to every distraction that comes my way. So I would write this down, what it would look like. You know, I wouldn't have the TV on. I wouldn't check Facebook every two minutes. I, you know, would get my my workstation set up and then I, I would sit there and I would write. And I wouldn't be a perfectionist. I wouldn't stop myself because it doesn't sound exactly the way I want it to sound. I would just keep writing. And after I'd have that in my journal, the way it would look if I was the kind of writer I want to be, I would say to myself, okay, cool, now do that. Show up that way for the next 10 minutes, the next five minutes, the next 15 minutes. If I was feeling super ambitious, I would say, show up that way, be that version of you for the next 20 minutes. And then when that time period went by, whether it was five minutes or 20 minutes, I'd take a break. And I would give myself a limit on the break, like maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, depending on how long the work period was. And then I would go back to what I had written down. If I were the kind of writer I want to be, I would be excited. I would be focused. I would resist distractions. I would have the TV off. I'd turn Wi-Fi off on my computer, blah, 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 blah. And I would do it again. Okay, cool. Now that you know what it would look like if you were that ideal version of yourself, show up that way for the next and I'd give myself a new period of time. Guys, that strategy worked every single time. Every single time I felt like, oh my gosh, this is just a crap day of writing. I can't focus. I'm all over the place. I would grab my journal and I would say, if I were the kind of writer I want to be, I would show up like this. Okay, cool. Be that version of you for the next 12 minutes. Timer set. Okay, then you can take a five minute break. It worked 
every single time. And a couple of times I actually took a picture of my journal and I, I think I shared it with my master's club, if I'm remembering correctly. And I said, guys, this is how I am choosing to overcome my limiting belief. I'm not saying that all of a sudden I'm immune to distractions. What I am saying is for the next 12 minutes, I can practice being this version of me. I am capable of showing up differently for 12 minutes. Then I'd take a break. I'd revisit what I wrote. Maybe I'd write a little bit more about who I want to be, how I want to show up, what it would look like. And then, okay, five minutes of practicing showing up as that best version of me. And what I learned is I choose which story I believe in in any moment. I can choose to believe in I'm so easily distracted and I have no attention span and writing is hard and I can't focus or I can choose to believe in the story that I can practice being that version of me that is resistant to distractions, that version of me that doesn't complain about writing and see it as a burden, but is excited about the blessing that it is to write a book. I choose which story I believe in, and so do you. I can choose to believe that I can't focus, but I also can choose to believe that I can focus. I can choose to believe that I can't resist distractions. Oh my gosh everything. Or I can choose to believe that I can resist distractions and I'm going to practice it for five minutes. It's not about my past pattern. It's not about your past pattern. It doesn't matter that in college I studied for 60 seconds at a time and then I'd take two hours off. That past pattern has nothing to do with my present choice to focus for the next X many minutes. It's not about my past pattern. It's about my present choice. It is not about your past pattern. It is about your present choice. So what I want to do is just pull up a few emails that I have gotten recently from you guys, podcast listeners, maybe my fall clients, and share how I would challenge you to apply this strategy, this lesson, to your struggle. I was, uh, once I finished, before we go into that, I just want to share this. I, uh, when I finished my book, one of the things I was excited about was that I now have more time to read. I love to read and I've really had to scale way back on reading lately because A, I wanted my my brain power and my ideas coming from my experience and my heart and my beliefs. And I only had a, fi I had a finite amount of time and I needed to put it into the manuscript. So I, at the day I finished the manuscript, I bought like 12 books, some on Audible, some actual physical hard copies, depending on the topic. And one of the ones that I got on Audible and listened to starting last Thursday, I've already finished it, was a book called Enough by John Bogle, who started Vanguard, the, call it an investment bank? I don't even know what to call it. But anyway, John Bogle, the book is called Enough, True Measures of Money, Business, and Life. And one of the things that Bogle says in that book that jumped out at me when I was thinking about this podcast and this lesson that I learned from writing, he says, the more simple something is, the less likely it is to be disordered. The more simple something is, the less likely it is to be disordered. And I was thinking about 
what this meant in my writing practice first, right? If my strategy with writing was simple, it was less likely to be disordered. So if it was just do good work and put great ideas, helpful ideas on paper, it was less likely to feel like a disaster than if my thinking was, okay, I need to have this like complex outline and I, I need to define which parts I'm going to write today and da 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 The more simple something is, the less likely it is to be disordered. I was thinking about what this means in terms of my thoughts of food. For most of my life, my thoughts about food were so complex, I need to do this, I need to do less of this, I need to follow this rule and that rule and not follow this rule and you know, if I if I eat this today, I'll do this tomorrow to make up for it. Or if I get this out of my system, da, 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 da. It was so complicated. But the simple, the more simple something is, the less likely it is to be disordered. So when my my attitude about food is, I eat foods I love that love me back, well, that's way less likely to be disordered because of its simplicity. If my attitude about distractions when I'm writing is so complex, like, okay, I'm going to set this timer, I'm going to work from the library, I'm going to have an accountability partner, I'm going to be responsible to a word count every day. No, but if it's as simple as I'm going to show up as the version of me I want to be for the next five minutes, that's way more simple. And the more simple something is, the less likely it is to be disordered. When I think about the emails I get from people who are struggling, and we'll look at a few of those in just a second, if I said to you, simplify this, tell me the problem in one sentence and tell me the solution in one sentence, then all of the drama of the email, the feelings, the worries, the fears, the disappointment, the shame, there's no room for that because the more simple your thinking is, the less likely it is to be disordered. And that is the essence of this practice. It's not about your past problem and it's not about how you feel about the past problem. It's not about the choice you made last week and how you're still upset about it. It is about the simple solution. The more simple something is, the less likely it is to be a disordered. What is the simplest version of this problem? What is the simplest version of this solution? It gets us out of all the complexity of our thinking, the story, the past, the future, the drama, the fear of missing out, the problem. Keep it simple. Let's look at some examples of this. I'm going to read to you actual emails I've received in just the last few days, and then we're going to apply this strategy from this lesson I learned in writing. The first one says, literally, I'm not, I'm not making these up, Elizabeth. What am I going to do with myself? I've been brilliant at eating healthy. My skin is better and I'm feeling better and I've lost a little bit of weight, which I'm pleased with. Then I buy chocolate and I go on a binge and I feel terrible. Not only do I feel sick, but then I ask myself, why? I don't eat chocolate, but then I buy some and I can't stop. I know myself so well. I know this is going to happen, but I still do it. Any advice, please? So I want to show you how I apply this lesson that I learned in writing. But first, a few things that jump out at me at this email. This person isn't saying, I ate chocolate and I binged 
and I don't want to do that today, but I'm not sure how not to. Instead, this person is using present tense language to describe something that happened in the past. And I'm going to explain why that's a problem. But when they say, I buy chocolate and I go on a binge and I feel terrible, there is a difference between saying that this is what I do versus this is what I did. This thing happened in the past. Taking a past pattern and saying not this is the past, but this is the present, not this is what I did, but this is what I do, you are basically saying to yourself, giving yourself an instruction, I will do this again. That's problem number one, right? That's problem number one. You've already decided that this is not behind you. It is also with you now and ahead of you. That stuff matters because thoughts become things. And we don't exceed our own expectations. So you've set the expectation that you will do this again. You can set a different expectation. You can set a different expectation. The other thing that jumps out to me at this, this email is that all of the energy is going into the problem and there's no energy going into the solution. Other than any advice, please, this individual has no attention or energy or effort going into the solution. They are attached to, clinging to, committed to the problem. Friend, you can't make progress from there. Give way more energy to the solution, to what you can do to create a change than you give to making a case for the problem. You can't grow from there. You're either living in the problem or the solution, but you can't be in both. And this particular email is in the problem, not in the solution. Fortunately, because the email started with, you know, I've been eating healthy and your skin, her skin looks better and she's lost a little bit of weight. So you know what feels good. And you know what feels bad. She says, I buy chocolate. I go on a binge. I feel terrible. I feel sick. You know what feels good. You know what feels bad. Get out of the past. Get out of the future. If you showed up today as the best version of yourself, specific to food choices, because this email is about food choices, if your choices today reflected the kind of behavior you want to effortlessly have, what would that look like? Grab a piece of paper and write that down. If I went through today as the best version of myself, or for some people, do a smaller time frame than that, right? When I was talking about writing, I wasn't like, for the rest of today, da 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 da. I would give myself 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 20 minutes. If you can do the day, do the day. I know you can do the day. If you choose to do the day, do the day. But also, don't be like, oh my gosh, I, I can't even. Like, oh, I was so good for the morning, but then by the afternoon, I had totally thrown in the towel. Great. Start with a smaller chunk of time for the next three hours between now and lunch. And then revisit it again after that, right? I would When, I, when my 20 minutes of writing as the best version, practicing that as the best version of me would be up, I would open up the journal where I wrote down what it would look like if I were the writer I want to be and I would read it again. And maybe I would add a little bit or I would write it over again, revisit it. But if this person said, okay, the chocolate, the past, not relevant. If I made the kind of choices with food that I want to make, if I was interacting with food the way I ideally want to, what would that look like? Maybe they say, 
I wouldn't eat sugar today because I've kind of, I've done that in the last few days. I don't need that. So if I were the version of me that I want to be, I would only put premium fuel in my system today. I would eat when I'm hungry. I wouldn't eat when I'm not hungry. I would have, you know, um, bacon and eggs with veggies in the morning and I would drink black coffee. I would drink water when I felt like snacking. I would go to the cafeteria at lunch and I'd get the salad bar. I'd make sure that it had some good protein and fats on it. I would enjoy every single bite. I would cook a healthy dinner. Great. Show up that way today. Define what it looks like and then do that today. Drama-free thinking, kids. That's what it's all about. What would it look like if just for today I made the choices that reflect who and how I want to be? Okay, cool. Do that. Be where your feet are. You do not need to solve tomorrow's problems today. You can't anyway. Just win the moment you are in. The second email. It says, my questions and goals are, dot, 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 dot. Literally, that's what's in the email. How can I keep this no sugar thing going? I'm scared I'm going to fall back into my old habits, dot, 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 dot. That's literally what it says. Not dot, I mean, you know, actual dots on the page. For some reason, I always end up sabotaging myself and my 100% goal is to lose my mommy tummy and I'm so done with it. I get so overwhelmed with it. In fact, I... And that's where the email ends. That's it. Okay. No sugar thing. How can I keep it going? I'm scared I'm going to fall back into my old habits. The fear has no place here, and I'll tell you why. Fear is a projection. You are manufacturing a problem based on your imagination. It hasn't happened yet. You are worried that it might, which means you have invented it. Stop. Don't give your energy to that. You are the thinker. You are not your thoughts. Therefore, when you recognize that you are manufacturing a potential problem that you might encounter down the road, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Be here now. So the lesson that I learned in writing the book applied to this particular person. If you were the kind of person, if you effortlessly were able to keep this no sugar thing going, If you were successful in living in a way where the mommy tummy disappears, what would your choices look like today? How would you show up today? If you were no longer overwhelmed by whatever is holding you back and you were doing life exactly as you want to do life, what would that look like today? If poof, you showed up in this moment exactly as you want to be, What specifically would that look like? And maybe for this person, and only you can answer this, but maybe for this person, they say, you know, I I wouldn't give in to the desire for sugar after dinner because that's just not who I am. That's just not who I am. Instead, I would enjoy quality time with my kids and I would be fully present with them and I would be so invested in spending that evening and making it great with them that I would be I, there would be no drama about like ooh I want something to eat because I've already given myself great fuel and that's all I need and then I would be just happy to have a peaceful night with my family. Great. 
Be that person today. Do exactly that. Script it out. How your day would go. How your choices would go if you were that version of yourself. And then be that way for this evening. Be that way for this afternoon. Be that way for today. Right? If you were the mom, if you were the woman you want to be like, if you were already that person, what decision would you make? What choice would you make? How would you behave? Do that thing. The more simple something is, the less likely it is to be disordered. The third email said, I'm reading this verbatim. I'm so affected by everything that is happening in my life. I took a job as a mechanical engineer, which I am, but I've never really felt like I deserved to be. And now I'm being asked to do something at work, which I probably can do, but what if I mess up or what if I look stupid because I ask something dumb? I'm super worried about it. They all seem to know so much more than me and have all this experience, but I'm supposed to tell them what to do? I led the team meeting on Friday, but it felt like an unmitigated disaster. I'm worried that I can't do this a job and it's affecting how I feel about myself. I have two great kids and I want to be the best mom, but what if I let them down? I don't want to be the fat blobby mom who dresses badly, but that's how I feel. The more simple something is, the less likely it is to be disordered. If you walked into work as the version of you that you want to be, what would that look like? Now, I can't answer for her, but I'm going to answer if I were her in her shoes. The drama, the fear, that is the lack of confidence that will for sure screw you up. So if I felt like I wasn't qualified to do my job or I felt insecure, I would walk in and say to myself, who can I learn from? If I don't know something, I'm going to ask. In fact, that's one of the best ways to be amazing at your job. Not to pretend that you know more than you do, but to learn from people who know more than you do and get better. Huh. What I'm wondering is, like if I'm in a team meeting and I don't know something, I'm going to say, I want to make sure that this outcome happens this way. But here are the unknowns for me. I'm wondering this. We need to find out this. Does anybody know X, Y, Z? Does anybody have a skill set that I'm lacking here, right? Spoken in the specific language to the job. Humble yourself and show that you are more interested in getting it right than being right, in doing good than looking good. But the insecurity is the opposite. The insecurity perpetuates the very thing you're worried about. Get out of the fear of the problem and instead participate in the solution. So with the work thing, very specific to the project, how do I make this great? If I showed up today and made amazing things happen, what would that look like? I'd call together these people and I'd ask these questions and I'd get these answers and these things that I'm not sure of. I would get certainty by talking to this person, looking up this thing, uh, reading this book or consulting this expert or, you know, assigning this person to do this part of the project. Great. Show up that way today. Get out of the fear and get into the solution. 
jumping forward to the, I want to be the best mom, but what if I let them down? I don't want to be the fat blobby mummy who dresses badly. Okay, if you showed up as the type of mom you want to be today, what would that look like? Get really specific. If I went through today as the mom I want to be, I would do these things and I wouldn't do those things. Great. Show up that way today. And then tomorrow, ask yourself this question. Guys, when I was doing this as it relates to my writing, not only did I do it every day, every day for months and months, I did it multiple times a day for months and months and months. It doesn't mean that I never felt overwhelmed and I never got emotional and I never got stressed out. I did. But my reaction to those feelings was to grab my journal or a blank piece of paper. Oftentimes, if I had printed out a chapter of the book, I'd turn over one of the pages and I'd do it right there because if I was at the library, I didn't have my journal with me. And I would write in that moment of stress or overwhelmed, okay, if I got through this moment as the best version of me, like if I was the kind of writer that I ideally ideally want to be, I would deal with a moment of lack of clarity or frustration or fatigue in this way. I'd write it out and then I would do it. And then 20 minutes later, when I felt distracted, when I felt over it, I would ask the question again, okay, if I got through the next hour as the version of me I want to be, and I did that over again and over again and over again. But guys, you have to be willing to give more to the solution than you give to the problem. The more simple something is, the less likely it is to be disordered. Get out of the drama and participate in the solution. You are, in every moment, capable of doing just that. In every single moment, you are capable of doing just that. So do it. I love you guys so much. I'm excited to hear how you practice this. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.